Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bickley Blast. Some say it's been a bad year for the Bluebird, i.e. Twitter, but it's been far worse for Redbirds, i.e. the train wreck, dumpster fire, iceberg-seeking ship known as the 2022 Arizona Cardinals. And the unceremonious firing of Sean Coogler, who reportedly groped a woman in Mexico City on Sunday night to the point where Mexican authorities had to get involved and alert the franchise. Well, this might be the straw that breaks this failed culture for good because this is the second assistant coach this year to be accused of sexually assaulting a woman a year when Patrick Peterson aired his grievances with the owner and the GM after a game in Minnesota a year when Kyler Murray has twice shown up as head coach during the heat of battle a year in which Eno Benjamin was sent to the street for some kind of confrontation with an assistant coach and we're not even at Thanksgiving yet this is obvious a very bad look for Kugler, who apparently got loose in a foreign country before the biggest game of the season, despite being fully aware that a small army of HBO cameras are accompanying this team's every movement. But if you dial out, this must be incredibly embarrassing to Michael Bidwill to have his organization at the center of this kind of incident on foreign soil. It's another indictment of a bad culture and a losing team that lacks discipline and any coherent long-term plan. It's more fuel for a massive overhaul from top down. And if you took the temperature of the fan base, I bet everyone feels it and everyone wants it. But will the owner listen? That is the question. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I think you're right on the money. This this is an embarrassment for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and we don't have a lot of details on this incident. What Josh Weinfuss reported this morning on ESPN was that Sean Kugler was fired on uh, Monday after an incident on Sunday night in Mexico, the reporting today included the detail that he groped a woman in Mexico City. Mexican authorities were notified of the incident. Uh, they uh, informed the Cardinals, who then sent Kugler home. Um, do I think the swiftness of that movement was influenced by another coach uh, situation with the Cardinals? I think probably so. The James Saxon situation uh, only became completely resolved in October, mm-hmm. despite the Cardinals' knowledge of his uh, transgressions off the off the field. That they uh, kept back, him on the staff back in May, despite reports that they knew. Right. So that's so that that can be framed and painted and perceived as tolerance. Um, from a f- isn't it? Uh, I, I think so. Like, yeah, we'll deal with this when when it becomes public. Seems like at least you can make an argument that that was the strategy. Yeah. What you did wasn't bad enough for us to get you out of our presence, out of the presence of these men you're supposed to be leading every day. Yes. Um, from a football standpoint, I would and I, I don't want to make this make light of this or make this sound frivolous at all. Has there ever been a less staffed 
offensive coach coaching group. Than, yeah, they're than missing what the running have. backs coach. They're missing an offensive line coach. They're, they didn't even have, have an, an offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. So, it, again, There's this three is, assistants yeah. listed on their website on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, again, I think that this is clearly this is clearly something that that demanded very, um, very quick remedy, if you will. Uh, but it's it, when you dial out. This is a lot. This is a lot thrown on the look of this team and the lack of institutional control of this team, right? I mean, it's a, that's that's very fair to say. I mean, when you when you have an Indo Benjamin system, uh, situation, a Patrick Peterson, um, the insubordination of a of a quarterback toward the head coach on the sidelines, it's just all it's just all spinning apart, is what it feels like. And so you got this football game now Sunday against the Chargers, and I don't know what the temperature of this football team is going to be. Yeah. I really don't. Uh, you've had Charvarius Ward of the 49ers call out DeAndre Hopkins as steroid boy. Yeah. Steroid boy. Charvarius Ward, who was matched up with DeAndre Hopkins a lot in that game in Mexico on Monday, said on the post-game show on KNBR Radio, D-Hop, he thinks he's a tough guy. He thinks he's still one of the best receivers in the league, and he's really not. He was trying to talk noise and talk hard all game. We're not scared of him. He thought we were scared of him. He tried to intimidate us, but forget him. We just did our thing. We went out there and got a dub, and we did our job. He was just yip-yapping all game, but we don't care about that. Just wanted to win. He was getting locked up. He was doing some dirty things. He tried to clip me. He grabbed me by the throat. He grabbed my face mask on one play, so I don't respect his game. That's steroid boy, end quote. Oh, boy. So, again, so this is all, I mean, this is a lot of stuff. This is a maelstrom of a football season. And now they're 4-7. and They're ostensibly out of it. And you've got a football game and then a bye week. If this goes horribly bad this weekend, there will be more outcries for a change in the bye week. That is not the Bidwill style. But there will be uh, – because if you know anything about this fan base, they, they want this badly. They're like, enough of this. And, and, and at some point in time, that's going to matter. Oh, I Public agree. Public opinion, at some point in time, it is going to matter. Vic, I'll ask you. You've watched football – in this town, you've watched football overall for a long time. You've covered a lot of teams. You know how these things usually develop. Doesn't this feel, and I'm not predicting this, but I'm just asking the question because I've certainly asked myself this question. Doesn't this feel like this could be six weeks of just flat-out ugliness oh, yeah. the rest of the way? Yes. We haven't yes. even gotten into the Buddha Baker's comment when asked a question, hey, do you feel like... Everybody played hard in this game. No, I don't. Troy Aikman on the Monday night football broadcast called out players for not giving maximum effort on the George Kittle, the second touchdown. Jay Feely highlighted that play on Twitter yesterday. A guy who played for the organization, now CBS NFL analyst, said this is the type of play that gets people fired. That's something else they're dealing with. Yep. Not only just the realization of, hey, our season just went south. We got dominated in a game that we had identified as a must win. Uh, but now our offensive line coach, a, a respected guy, even with, you know, notwithstanding what happened in Mexico and that he's lost his job. Sean Kugler was a guy that was a point of pride for this organization. Yes. He was propped up by the organization at every turn as a leader of men. He's gone. And oh, by the way, 
We got guys that are making business decisions on the field. Oh, this feels this like ladder. The latter part is so so dangerous right now with this football team yeah. because if you're on the if you're on a team that you know is falling apart, you know the the bottom is coming out of the tub with this football team is. Churchill once famously said, not about football teams, but <laughs> if you know that, you're not selling out for a team that when you know there's going to be a massive housekeeping and you know that that there might be a, a, an industrial sized fan brought in to, to get the mess out, then then I think more than ever, you get guys going, OK, I'm, I'm tapping out. You see guys getting released from practice squads, which I think we've already had a couple this week. Mm-hmm. You see agents making phone calls saying, hey, can you let our guy go? We need we need to try to get elsewhere for next year. There's a lot of that stuff that goes into the mix here. It's going to be it's going to take something. For this football team to rally together, rally together around what? Right, that that becomes the question now. What are you rallying around? Yeah, professional pride. Well, Buda Baker's got it. JJ Watt has it. Who else has it? At Who this else point? has it? I think that's something we could circle back to when we get back into the Cardinals at eight thirty. But uh, coming up next, the uh, Phoenix Suns have a Pat Beverly problem. And it doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing, he still remains a problem (laughs) for this organization. Shut up, Jared! We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. From my point of view, I felt like, uh, obviously, very unprofessional. Uh, it shouldn't have happened, first and foremost. But uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, protecting my teammates, especially teammates that, you know, I go to war for every night. So I kind of felt like the play uh, kind of got out of control after the, the stare down at Austin Reeves by Book, then another stare down by Aiden, and the refs didn't really come in and kind of break it up. So, uh, you know, I'm not going for that. You know, so... Uh, uh, that's what I. That's what I saw. Obviously, uh, um, it's unfortunate that it happened on national TV. But uh, you know me. Regardless of what's going on, I'm a. I'm a big fan of protecting my teammates, and uh, I'm a big fan of. A, I'm, a, I'm a foxhole guy. That's uh, Patrick Beverly last night uh, saying, "I'm a foxhole guy." Well, you got the whole part right, <laughs> yeah. Pat. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's partially true. Um, and he doesn't give a fox. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the unfortunate, the unfortunate part is not that it happened on television. The unfortunate part is that the Lakers were on national television. Stop subjecting the basketball public to this dumpster fire. Yeah, there is that. They do get a, a, a real disproportionate amount of primetime games relative to the yeah. success they've had. Yeah, um, say that that's quite obvious. Five and eleven now this year, still winless on the road. The Suns now counting preseason and beating the Lakers eleven straight times. Uh, that was with Anthony Davis going off on a. A historic uh, stat line. I mean, the, the Suns recently have withstood a 50-point game from Steph Curry and that stat line from Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. They're a very good home team. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, and I don't disagree with you, that the NBA you know, and, and Devin Booker came out and DeAndre Ayton came out after and said, stop pushing people in the back. If things are going to get heated, 
you know, book said, I'll have a lot more respect for people that push you from the front, yeah. push you in the chest. Right. Um, so there's a there's a Patrick Beverly problem in the league. The Suns have dealt with it a lot, whether it was in uh, the it, when he was in a Clippers uniform, uh, even last year to a lesser extent in the regular season in Minnesota. Now with the Lakers back in the division, how do you deal with this if you're the NBA? Because Patrick Beverly has this reputation, and yes, he's going to stand by what he believes in protecting his teammates, but it's getting ridiculous at this point. Well, he, he the the thing is to to listen to Pat Beverly talk about it and, and from a point of pride. Yeah, you can tell that they're vibing on the fact that he went and pushed over a guy that's a foot taller than him. Yes, and and the size differential and the physicality he imposed on DeAndre Ayton is going to be perceived differently by players inside the game than by the league. Yeah. The league has got a Pat Bev issue. There's no doubt about it. Pushing guys in the back is not only cheap; it's dangerous. He did it to Chris Paul, um, and it, and the Suns were very right in that situation to just to 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 to, pl- to take the higher road and cooler heads prevail mm-hmm. and let the league take care of it. League didn't do a whole lot to Pat Bev in that incident. Yeah, suspension that bleeds over to the next yeah. season because of the scenario. Right. Now, your suggestion is league come down hard. You mentioned the number like up to fifteen games yep. to kind of quell this. I, I I'm not saying I disagree with that stance. I would be surprised if the number is higher than three for Patrick Ooh, Beverly. Okay, we're going to find out because what this what this is spun down to now is if you allow that kind of behavior to go unchecked, then the Suns do need to get an enforcer. Then the Suns need to get somebody on their roster who is going to fight back, push back, be there physically for teammates. Because if the league won't protect them, they better find somebody in that team that will. Well, do you think this has been an issue outside of last night's game with the Suns this year? I I don't I don't know if issue is the right word. Okay. I, I think over the last couple of years, players inside the NBA uh, think a good portion of the Suns team is soft and I'm talking about Cam Johnson, I'm talking about DeAndre Ayton. And, and I think that players have taken advantage of both of them and and physically and tried to punk them on the court and I think that it's it's something that, I don't know how much it matters, but I know inside the game, in the alpha world of, of competitive athletes, it matters something. On ground level. Now, again, D Book is hardcore. Chris Paul's hardcore. Jay Crowder was. The, the Suns have got plenty of that. The question becomes, though, it, the league has got to the league has got to crack down on this so the Suns don't have to divert the way they play basketball just to address this issue. Yeah, uh, the way they play basketball came up in the in the post game discussions too. DeAndre Ayton, who received that shove from Patrick Beverly, and this was very prevalent during the run to the finals, and we talked about it a lot, how the Suns were able to get in the heads of their opponents. The Clippers, Patrick Beverly breaks at the end of that series and pushes Chris Paul. Uh, the series before, Nikola Jokic lost his mind, nearly killed campaign in frustration. He gets ejected in, in, in game four of that sweep of a series. DeAndre Ayton brought it up again, um, that the way that the Suns play their style of basketball kind of just breaks teams. I mean, all I know is I felt like, uh, that felt like a good game. Um, you know, it's about time we got some camaraderie going on where, you know, some trash talking, some extra talking, some extra terminology going on on the court, you know, make the game more entertaining and it help us play harder. You know, that's what, that's what teams I understand. We play hard. You know, we talk a bunch of, you know, stuff and, you know, it makes us play hard because we're a system. You know, we have a program where we, we, that we run over here, no disrespect to nobody, but we run a program over here that we play hard and we make teams give up. 
no matter how the game going or who's having the best night, you play hard and we make teams give up. That's just point blank, period. Enough said. It just was a little cherry on top with a little emotion going on. But that's, I mean, we always see it. It's just basketball. We always in conflict in the game. Look at the last two years in the playoffs. I mean, there was always something on the way down. So we're used to that. And we have vets on the team, guys like CP, you got C-Pain. You know, just to calm me down, calm the whole thing down and, you know, play ball. You know, at the end of the day, we are human and we are athletes. We do get amped up. And, but other than that, we keep it between the lines and we play basketball. You know, other, that's, that's how I play. And that's how this team plays. But other than that, it was fun, man. It was fun. You know, getting some extra juices and getting the crowd in it. And, you know, just saying we, we, we in this thing. We, play, we still playing some basketball. Yeah, DA's right about that. The, the energy level in the arena certainly picked up in the last four minutes, even though it looked like the game was going a certain way. Yeah. Uh, that little the you know exchange really got the oh, crowd yeah. pumped up. Yeah, um, and I, I I'll say I said it before I'll say it again. I loved what I saw in that stretch from, from DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know he talked about hey I didn't want to disappoint Monty Williams by getting kicked out of that game and responding. Um, and that's kind of the mentality they have now. I, I think your question about whether or not they need an enforcer is an interesting one. To me, um, on the surface. You know, the idea of an enforcer in 2022 in the NBA, it, 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 it doesn't necessarily apply the way it once did uh, when you had teams like the Pistons beating you up. And I mean, here's no, the way, here's right. the way it's changed. Go back right. to the 80s, the finals between the Celtics and the Lakers. And Kevin McHale nearly decapitated Kurt Rambis on a fast break. And there was an ugly scene that spilled into the crowd. This was the finals. You know what happened? No flagrant fouls <laughs> and and no penalties given. No suspensions were given. They got up after everybody calmed down and they played basketball. It's mm-hmm. not like that anymore. So I think the rules that are in place kind of, you know, maybe wash over the, the, the need for, for an enforcer in today's basketball. But if this is going to continue to pop up, I think your question gets a little louder and a little more pertinent. Yeah. And listen, and, and for instance, like I, 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 I initially said the name Ish Wainwright. He's a big physical guy. That would be the kind of guy mm-hmm. that could have stepped in last night and and kind of kind of retaliated against Patrick Beverly, gotten a uh, an ejection, maybe a one game suspension, and yet it grows something different with the team. It it it, it kind of draws that line in the sand, and that's. You know, I, I'm going to tell you. I mean, you know this. You you sit courtside for these games. You know how the NBA operates. This is there's going to be a flip side to all of this, where it's going to be Da is seven feet tall and he let that guy do that to him. There's going to be an element of that. But don't you think there's a psychological element too? And let's use last night's uh, last night as an example. Patrick Beverly making that run on DeAndre Ayton probably expected some sort of physical retaliation from that. The Suns did not engage. Don't you think that gets in the heads of the opponent when there's not a response? I mean, Patrick Beverly is very much a, I'm going to poke you for a response kind of guy. Right. Yeah. No, again, I, I do. But I, I don't think that response is always positive okay. for a team that shows diplomacy. At some point in time, you got to stand up and stick up for yourself if the league isn't going to do it for you. I mean, I, listen. I I don't know this because I haven't checked Twitter. I'll bet you. I'll bet you. There's even more ridicule of the Suns from probably Lakers fans about not sticking up to of their teammates in the light of a confrontation with Pat Bev. And again, I fully understood it in the playoffs. It was incredibly smart and disciplined for the Suns to not bite in the playoffs. Uh-huh. But regular season basketball, you got to stand up for yourself. 
Do you know a high school student with great character deserving of a $10,000 scholarship? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact in our community. Just text the word character to 620-620, nominate them for character counts, and share their story. Text character to 620-620. Coming up next, Cardinals dealing with a lot of issues. One issue that's still out there is the effort level at this point in the season. It waned a little bit on Monday night. Will that continue? We'll get into that straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Wednesday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here's play action. Garoppolo throws to Kittle. Left side. Caught at the 30. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. George Kittle puts it away. 37 to 10 with 10 minutes to go. Just a great example of what play action does. A great example. How you lull another team to sleep, just running the ball, running the ball, having success, running the ball, out of a power personnel group, like 21 personnel, then you take that tight end, and he runs like he's going to seal the backside, and instead of sealing the backside, he slips right into the flat, and it's an easy pitch and throw. And then you've got George Kittle one-on-one in the secondary. Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley on Monday night from Mexico City. Wolf and his analysis did leave out the part that there wasn't a whole lot of effort at the tail end of that play to try to tackle George Kittle or push him out of bounds. Once uh, Kittle got free at the line of scrimmage and what was a, a, you know, a, a broken defense, you could see they were in disarray. A lot of people picked up on it in real time. I wondered, wow, did we just witness the moment that the Arizona Cardinals kind of threw in the towel on the season there? Because the body language says a lot, and there was uh, not a whole lot of bodies moving around at that point. Uh, that led to Buda Baker in the locker room Monday, Bick, being asked the question by Cam Cox of uh, 12 News. I feel like guys played till the end, played hard till the end. No, I don't. And that is now a big question yeah. moving forward for the rest of the year for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we are of the belief that they are done. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury's got a contract extension that's going to keep him here until 2027. Uh, but the seat is still hot. I refuse uh, to acknowledge that. I, I don't think the Cardinals are going to make a move unless this gets really, really bad the rest of the way, which I guess remains a possibility. Uh, but they got to quell this, and Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that yesterday, that very subject. Did he feel like guys quit against San Francisco? Yeah, I think there were um, moments when you watch the tape that, um, you know, we know when we sign up in this league, you're a professional and you play to the end, and that's the standard of this organization and this team, and nobody, um, you know, displays it more than Buda Baker. And so uh, you couldn't tell if the score was 38-10 to 10 in our favor or 38-10 down or 0-0, he's going to be going the same speed and, and you know making every play he can so he's definitely the, the expert to speak on it and um, that's something that we got to be better at moving forward Look, I think this well is, if Buda Baker had to plead with his teammates for it after that game against Philadelphia if he complained that the team didn't have it after the game against the 49ers what is going to be there this Sunday uh-huh. when they're four and seven that's the big big question because where is the inspiration going to come from? What is the cause? Why am I why am I going to do this? 
again, this is kind of why it's so important that Kyler Murray gets out in the football field. Yeah, it's like and, being an actor. What's my motivation here? Yeah, what what is my what is my mo? What is my modus operandi here? And it's uh, uh, that that's what worries me. And and Kyle Vandenbosch uh, on on uh, any number of great insightful things he said the other day, he's got serious doubts that this team has got that kind of character. Yeah, he talked about Kyler Murray not being out there. He also Kyle Vandenbosch talked with us about hey. Um, these are the times that try men's souls, basically. It's like, hey, when, when things get bad, you find out what kind of leadership you have in the locker room. This is where we see what type of leadership is in that locker room and what type of leadership is coming from the coaching staff. When, you know, your playoff hopes are, are pretty much gone, um, when your, your aspirations that you had in the preseason are, are shot, what kind of guys do you have? What kind of men are in that locker room? What kind of leaders do you have? You know, there's, there's a lot of players... Uh, going into either contract years or two two years out from contract years, um, and the, right now they're battling through injuries, they're playing through injuries, and they're they're questioning themselves like, is it worth it? Is is me going out there uh, playing through something um, that's gonna gonna reflect poorly on me on film because it, because I'm not 100, percent I'm not able to do the things I'm normally able to do. Is is that going to hurt uh, my financial value? Is that going to hurt my next contract? And and players start to have those things run through their head. But that's not you know that's not the sign of a healthy locker room. That's not the sign of, of good leadership, and that's not the sign of a good culture. And and we're going to see. Yeah, and, and and to use Buda Baker as the example, and he's the guy that gets held up as the example because of the way he conducts himself, the way he plays, the physicality and effort that he plays with, right. even with injury. And go back to that scene in Hard Knocks um, where they, they rewound to the Philadelphia game where the Cardinals lost a tough game that came down to the Matt Amendola, who was like seven kickers ago, I think, for the Cardinals. But the Matt Amendola oh. missed field goal that could have forced overtime. And Buda Baker addresses his whole team uh, very emotionally. Tears in his eyes. I'm sick of losing at home. We need to step the blank up. That was that was a guy being a leader from a player position in week five, trying to not only voice his, his displeasure with losing at home, which was a trend that started last year and continued until their next home game. But also, I think that was a recognition by Buda Baker. This is not going well. Right. And we need to turn this around. Yeah. And it didn't work. It. it I mean, no. I'm not pinning that on Buda no. Baker. I'm pinning that on everything else. I mean, from from top to bottom, the way this team was constructed, the coaching, the leadership on the field, the talent that they have available in depth positions, it's all been exposed. Yeah, listen, there's no doubt about it. And then now, then you factor in this Sean Coogler development, and Sean, by all accounts, was one of the more liked yes. coaches on that staff. And, and you know that football players probably carried a great deal of confusion into that game, unless they were fully briefed on what went down. Football players are not good with distractions, and I'm, I'm curious what they think about that. I, I'm curious, until we, it, it's hard to gauge any of this until we know um, more details, if we ever are going to find out more details. But, you know, Sean Coogler probably has a side to this story. Has he communicated with some guys on the team? Do the, does, does the team understand that this was necessary? Do they think that this is another case of the team bailing on a player or a key member of the team? I don't know. I don't 
don't know how this is all going to play out. I think it's I think it's quite uh, it's quite a mess right now. And this is this is exactly what I talked about when I talk about Cliff Kingsbury and his loose approach. If you are winning and things are going good, it's going to be great because he's the kind of head coach that doesn't scream and holler and get on you yeah. and and expose you and rail on you in meetings and throw you under the bus to the media but when things are going bad who's going to rally this football what is going to rally this football team? I think that's an important point to make because by no means do I feel like you're suggesting and nor would I suggest that Cliff Kingsbury is responsible for the actions or behavior of Sean Coogler right. on the road but when there is accountability to be had it does start with the head coach. It does. And that permeates throughout the coaching staff, too. And we don't talk about that a lot. Yeah, and and so it, it that's got to be the thing, and it, and when it, when a, when somebody gets that loose, as you can kind of infer from what Josh Weinfuss reported this morning, that's that's an indictment of the entire organization. You're representing the league. You're not just representing your team. You're representing the league on foreign soil as part of a league-wide global initiative, mm-hmm. and this is what comes out of it. That's I uh, yeah. Listen, that's that is. It, this is really the things must be very very tense yeah, over I, there at this point. I wonder. I cannot. About- I I I have to believe Michael Bidwell is mortified by this because Michael Bidwell and his role in the NFL and 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 the Cardinals being a good partner with the NFL it's paramount to him. And this is an embarrassment. Yeah, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, not only was in Mexico for the game, he appeared on the Cardinals pregame show with Paul Calvisi before that game mm-hmm. as a way to, to, to pump this up. With I, I would imagine the head of the league knew about what had happened the night before and the morning uh, of the game. Yeah, and again, if Mexican authorities had to get become involved, this is not something like the NFL or the Cardinals were able to clean up a mess before anybody else knew about it. Mm-hmm. It's not good, man. Yep, text good. your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, our weekly Wednesday visit with the legendary voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy. Al about the Suns. Straight ahead, here it's Pickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suzanne, CP3 for three. Al about the Suns. Hall of Famer Suns broadcaster Al McCoy calls in to talk Suns with Bickley and Murata. Suns win. The Suns win. Al about the Suns. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Every Wednesday, we get the pleasure of talking to Al McCoy, the legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, The pleasure is increased, I think, Al, when it's the day after a Suns win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you agree? Well, I guess we could say that. Uh, (laughs) It's always a special night, I think, when the Lakers are in town. And... uh, I guess it was last night because it ended up with a win. You're right. All right, so what does the league have to do about Pat Beverly, Al? Well, they better do something, and they better make it severe. If they don't, it's going to be a joke uh, because this is his whole career. Uh, he sneaks up on people, gets them from behind so they can't see him, and then hits them in the back or knocks them over when they can't see him. And that's how players get hurt. And uh, that's his whole game. Uh, you know, we don't we don't need to go back. We know what he did to CP3 in the oh, yeah. playoffs when he was a Clipper. And last night was as blatant as you could find. And, you know, we haven't uh, heard that much about it. But, you know, it turned into being a four-point play for the Lakers. And if the Suns had not responded, 
and the Lakers had gotten a win, you would hear Patrick Beverly saying, well, I'm the one that prompted the victory. Look what I did for my team. So the the league better respond. That's all I can say. Yeah, on the way that that was officiated, it, it checks out the way that the, the penalties were handed out, but the fact that it was a flagrant foul for, uh, for, for Devin Booker led to the two free throws and the ball because the technical fouls canceled out. I don't know how a situation like that, to, to, to your question, Al, how Patrick Beverly's behavior uh, turned out to be uh, you know, a, a big possession in what was still a close game with about four minutes to go. That didn't make any sense to me. Well, you're absolutely right. And I think we're all just waiting to see how the league is going to respond. Uh, we won't talk about free throws. I mean, we even play a, a team that, that the Lakers are struggling and still can't get to the free throw line. So I've, I've given up on trying to figure that out. But it, it is going to be interesting. And I know you were talking earlier about the, the Suns being considered soft. And uh, that's true. Unfortunately, uh, they are considered soft. And I think teams do take advantage of that. And that's why the opposition gets to the free throw line and the Suns don't. You're absolutely uh, they right. Have that reputation of just being soft. You're absolutely right. And if the league isn't going to stand up and get this stuff out of the game, then, then they've got to stand up for themselves at some point or bring in somebody who will and, and just play that game because because justice is not being served otherwise. All right. All well, right. You- I'm sorry, you go, go back, you know, just a couple of weeks ago when we were talking, Vic, and, and I was a little more upset then. Uh, but I mentioned at the time, you may recall a couple of weeks ago, the Suns are going to have to get physical. I'm talking mm-hmm. about grab and hold and flop and, and because they can't get calls, they can't get to the line. The opposition does that and they get the free throw yep. advantage. So, uh, you know, we'll see how Bad it all deal. plays out. Uh, the good news was that I give the Suns a lot of credit because the way the Lakers had to play to stay in the game, the Suns were able to respond. And obviously we know A.D. Davis is a great player. And what he did for the Lakers last night was fantastic. He is super when he's healthy. No argument there. But I give the Suns a lot of credit because with all of the things the Lakers were able to do and get away with, the Sun still responded and got the win, and that was impressive. Yeah, to me, Alan, we're talking with uh, the legendary play-by-play voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, as we do every Wednesday. Uh, one of the play, one of the players I thought that really asserted himself late was DeAndre Ayton, who's received some criticism lately for not having, you know, a, a big impact on the games physically or statistically with the rebounding. But he had a couple of big baskets uh, late. I thought he was pretty demonstrative uh, with, with Anthony Davis. They were going back and forth, and I think that led to the frustration from the Lakers, but I really loved what I saw from DeAndre Ayton late last night. Would you agree? Yeah, he had, he had a nice game. And, you know, I'm a DA uh, fan, and I feel he's a contributor almost every game, but he certainly was on, on top last night. Now, something we have to mention is a young man named Washington yes, yeah. who uh, has come in uh, with Shamit out and uh, with, with Payne not having a big game and coming in and just really taking control. And I think we're realizing what the Suns have in Washington. Uh, we know he was a great college player at Ohio State. We know that Indiana didn't want to give him up, but they did in that fiasco over trying to get the DA. Yeah. And uh, he certainly has shown that he's going to be a contributor, I think. 
I'm uh, I'm extremely enthused by the competitive spirit of this team that is continuing to execute for the most part at a high level without Cam Johnson, without Chris Paul, without even Jay Crowder or whatever that's going to be. Uh, get, update us on your feelings on the bench, the Jock Landale, the Damian Lees of the world. Well, uh, I don't think there's any question about it that the the uh, the second unit. Uh, the vent, so to speak, has really come in and been factors in these games. And probably it's going to mean uh, some very difficult decisions for Coach Monty uh, because uh, when Shaman comes back and these other players start coming back, uh, who's going to get playing time? Because he's gotten a, a big plus from just about everybody that he has used. Uh, uh, he's used Biombo extensively and Washington coming in. You mentioned Lee. And they've all been contributors, no question about it. And one other guy I wanted to point out before we uh, wrap up this week's uh, discussion, Al, was uh, Tory Craig has been pressed into extended minutes in the starting lineup with the injury to Cam Johnson. I think Tory has been fantastic, whether it's hitting threes, he's got a propensity to get tough offensive rebounds that you don't expect him to get. I think he's really uh, gone above and beyond what was expected of him. To, uh, uh, well, uh, his big plus is he's so consistent. Uh-huh. I mean, he doesn't uh, stand out where everybody's saying, oh my God, look what Tory's doing. He just does it every play. He's so consistent defense. Defensively, if he gets an open look from three-point range, he takes it, and he does a good job hitting them. He's a very consistent player, and he has shown it, I think, uh, extra special when he's uh, gotten this opportunity now to be in the starting lineup. All right, Al, you know we're all very thankful to have you as voice of the Suns. How do you spend Thanksgiving? How do you roll on Thanksgiving, Al? <laughs> well, it's just another day in paradise, guys. <laughs> uh, but I, I enjoy it like everybody else with my family. And I hope that all of you and your listeners have a very, very special day. And look who's coming in this weekend. Detroit and Utah, Friday and Saturday. So more fun at the ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Happy you, Thanksgiving to you, Al. Great to talk to you. We'll do it again next week. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you, Al McCoy. Voice of the Suns, Al about the Suns every Wednesday here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Every morning at 9 o'clock, Sarah Cazell takes us through social studies. And that's next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.